0: Hey, this is Adi Weiner. And on this week's show, we're going to be interviewing and talking with Ethan Sherwood Strauss of the great House of Strauss. He's a great guest. He talks about big macro issues and he's going to be talking about events, sports like football and its challenges uh, and how it compares with other sports, which he terms inventory sports like baseball, like hockey, like basketball. And it's a great listen.
1: From the campus
0: of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business
1: Radio.
2: Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball. Welcome to a full hour of sports analytics here on Wharton Moneyball. This is Cade Massey hosting with the whole crew. Eric Bradlow is here. Shane Jensen is here. Audie Weiner is here. And we are joined in our homes by Mr. Ethan Strauss. Ethan is a sports writer. He's the creator of House of Strauss. You can read him. He's got a sub stack working there. You can see him on Twitter at Sherwood Strauss at Sherwood Strauss, but really you can find him house of He's got a great sub stack. Last time he was on the show, I think he picked up at least, at least two subscriptions from the host, if nothing else. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good endorsement. Ethan, glad to get some time with you. Thanks for making time for us.
3: Ah. Oh. I, I I always make time for my customers. Thanks for having me on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's been a joy to read you. I I think you are a distinct I, I see I see what the other guys say, but a distinct voice. You've got an interesting perspective across sports. I told them today I, I, I made sure that everyone had seen your peacockification article, which mm-hmm. we're talking about, and it seems to me one of your specialties is identifying these macro trends. I think you've got a good eye for macro stuff and insights into it. Um, but we're, we want to encourage everybody to dig up Ethan's work. It's reliably provocative and, and sharply independent, which is delightful. So with that little pep talk, Ethan, what is this peacockification idea that you've, that you're pitching around and why should we be scared or not scared about mm. it?
3: Um, well, we should be scared of pronouncing it, number one. Yes. I think it's the main thing that we should be afraid of, is pronouncing that, that term extemporaneously. Um, now, to give a little indication of how the magician does his tricks, I would like to claim credit for being able to just find macro trends because I'm like one of the uh, oracles of Minority Report, and I just see all these things. But right. a lot of what I do is talk to people, and people will come to me. And the origin of the Peacockification is industry people saying, this is a big deal. This is a big deal right here. And what we're talking about, as you might know, is that they put Chiefs Dolphins, wildcard playoff game in frigid temperatures out there in KC. They put it behind the paywall. They put it on Peacock, a streamer that has 30 million subscribers. That sounds like a lot, but in the grand scheme compared to cable, that's that's not a lot a uh, subsidiary in a way of, uh, of NBC, and people paid up. I mean, we don't know how many subs that it drove, but the rating on it reported by NBC was 23 million. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure. It's often a little fishy when there's self-reporting of numbers. So I'm not going to hold NBC to that. I just know that it's regarded in the industry as a massive success. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means that these trees. Ethan, real, real see- quickly,
2: can I, yeah. can I ask one clarifying question? Sure. I, I, don't, I don't mean to be glib, but it, can't we give some of those numbers credit to Taylor Swift? I mean, what would that have looked no. like if Taylor Swift wasn't dating Kelsey? Is it not the case that she does bring new eyeballs to the NFL and the KC game had that going for it? At least a little it, bit.
3: I mean, I'm sure... I think that it's all part of the overall mix of... Um, of the Chiefs as a public team, which is something the NFL can do in a way that other sports cannot do. Small market, um, not that well-known or visited a city, but the combination of Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey dating Taylor Swift, and the success just makes them somebody that a lot of people would pay to see. And I was like a lot of people on Saturday where I was getting a few text messages from people saying, Hey, do you have a login? Do you have a login? People wanted to breach the paywall to see this game. It drove a tremendous amount of business in NBC's direction. And so what is the meaning of that? It means that these companies are now emboldened to do it and they're going to try to put more games and big events behind the paywall. And then also, I think it just has a huge downstream effect on the sports media rights industry because it's not just about them putting a few games behind the paywall. It's about the resources and the money getting devoted to the big paywall events that can drive that sort of demand and maybe flowing away from the inventory sports that exist on cable is kind of background noise, more or less. If we're talking about baseball and to a certain extent basketball. So it's a big deal. Big deal in this industry.
2: So we're going to want to hear more about this category of inventory sports versus special events. But first, some questions, at least two of the guys, maybe all three of them want to get in, Eric and then Adi.
1: Yeah, Ethan. So one of the thoughts I had was that they're probably, and I'd love your thoughts, is that it's almost like people wanted to test um, the extremity of the event as well, which is, let's say we have a prediction of how well people are going to perform under weather conditions. And, you know, you say, well, it's 30 degrees. Boy, that seems tough. How about 20? How about 10? How about zero? How about a minus 30 wind chill? It was almost, my guess would be there were a lot of fans out there just wanting to see what impact such, I'll use the statistical term, an extreme value of X would have on the output function. What are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah, it did have this Hunger Games-esque quality where uh, Taylor Swift is watching it behind what looks like glass bricks of a barrier between her and the elements and everybody else out there competing like gladiators uh, need a Sherpa to usher them to the Gatorade, uh, you know, container or whatever, really hot chicken broth container in that circumstance. It did have that aspect. Now I do think that kind of thing is on the margins. I think it's mostly if you had chiefs dolphins to what you're saying, I'm sure there was more interest because it was a battle against the elements and Andy Reid's mustache is frozen solid. Uh, but I think it still would have done near there, even if it was ideal conditions and the game happened to be in Miami. It's just the NFL playoffs. They're, they're just a different animal. There's just nothing quite like the NFL in American culture. College football is having a moment. And maybe you could say that they are just one tier below and maybe those two are very much separated from the rest in American sports culture, but the NFL is at the top and not by a little and it's separating. It's separating from the others last year when the NFL went up against the NBA on Christmas day, they got an average rating that was five times the NBA this Christmas. A few weeks ago, they went up against each other again and it was 10 times what the (laughs) NBA put out there. So we're seeing a separation take place currently. Coming back to um, the uh, Chiefs game um, behind the and the sort of success of the paywall, do you have that 23 million broken down by like new subscribers versus existing Peacock subscribers? No, they don't. I mean, maybe they'll break that out for us, but these companies, and this is part of the issue. This is another issue I've written about. I call it the great Vega, the Veganine when it comes to television popularity. Ten years ago, we knew how popular every single TV show was in -hmm. America. Nielsen might have been imperfect, but it was a pretty good proxy for what was popular. Now we have a situation where HBO comes out and they go, 18 million people are watching Euphoria. I've heard Euphoria is a pretty good show. I don't think they're getting that kind of that kind of viewership. It might have been it was in the teens. It might not have been 18, but whatever it was, I don't think it's getting those numbers. But we're at a place right now where all these streamers have their own numbers. And they say you can't trust the Nielsen numbers because they do linear. They're sharing more data. So it's a bit of a mix. And to what you're saying, we don't always know. All I can tell you is that people in the industry think that they got a big number. I can't tell you what the exact breakdown and breakout is right now.
2: Guys, before we transition over to this topic, let's just note what what uh, NBC paid for this? 110 million dollars is the number that I saw, which is sometimes we lose perspective on the value of the NFL property. I mean, it's astounding. It's one of 13 postseason games. It's an early round game at that, and it was it got 110 million dollars. I mean, they have a zillion other ways to monetize the sport, but that's just a real direct indication of the value. Let's change gears. Talk a little real football before we talk NBA while we have Ethan in front of us, but. Ethan, you did anticipate in print the demise of the Philadelphia Eagles back. They did just take a hit from San Francisco when you wrote the article, but they were still riding high. People saw, still thought that they were the number one seed. Steve Young took them to task, and you you got on Steve Young's bandwagon. Yeah. And then we saw it really continue to – the wheels just continued to come off last night. What is your analysis of what happened in Philadelphia? And, guys, this is our first time together since this happened. There's our hometown team. It is – Pretty stunning. Um, Who was it today? Kevin Clark today on Twitter said, I think this is the first example we've seen. Other than the team losing his quarterback, do you have another example this prominent of a team looking that good, say, midseason and having the wheels come off this badly? What happened?
3: I think people have uh, talked about the New York Giants coming off uh, going to the Super Bowl and the wheels falling off after starting 11-1 and one or something similar. Um, that was the season that Plaxico Burris shot himself, uh, if memory serves. So maybe there's a comparison right there. But this did seem highly unusual. I think the Eagles, to me, were fascinating because they were riding higher than they should have ridden, in part because they had that tush-push play. That was a big factor. And then extended from that, the tush-push, and also just being great in short yardage, It's a situation where if you're playing blackjack and you're card counting and you get every single little edge again and again and again, which is fantastic. And it really helped them to have this great record that was better than the point differential. But I think it also obscured a lot of the issues and how they just weren't of a team quality that they were last season. The boring answer is I think they just lost so much talent uh, in the coaching ranks and also on the field that they, their cupboard was bare. I mean, you guys know the linebacking was uh, was not great. That's the type of thing that is difficult to uh, smoke and mirrors your, your way out of. So I think Steve Young observed that, and then I smartly pegged my currency to Steve Young. I said, well, I can't be more wrong than NFL legend Steve Young, at least. So uh, I'll try that. And I think the media right now is trying to outsmart itself and show how savvy it is by saying I'm not going to overreact and be a prisoner of the moment based on what happened in the Niner game and, oh my God, the schedule's so easy and this and that, I think sometimes you just have to assess what you're looking at. And Steve Young's arguments about the Eagles were very compelling to me because they were based on observation. Um, And what he observed, I think, was ultimately uh, validated. It was just a lack of talent. The most concerning thing, I think, is the stuff Bosa has said about Jalen Hurts and this idea that perhaps he just doesn't know how to operate when flushed out of the pocket in a particular way, maybe mm-hmm. he can work on it. Um, I'm no football genius, but that to me is bigger than Sirianni. Everybody's talking about Sirianni right now. I think Hurts. that's, that's the thing. That's the big deal right now for the Eagles.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, so what, one observation, one of the defensive players said this after the game yesterday that, they said, we put some stuff on tape and then everybody copied it. That's, of course, what happens in the NFL. That's what Bosa said was going to happen. It's like, we showed that we gave them the blueprint. Hopefully the Cowboys will follow. That's the way it goes down in the NFL. People scout so well. But your comments make me think that the that the mistake was the interpretations in the first half of the season, the storytelling in the first yeah. half of the season about how magnificent this Philadelphia team was, which is, you know, people. there's just so much storytelling. We really went off on this after the college football playoffs a couple weeks ago. Eric and then Shane.
1: Yeah, Ethan, I was going to ask you, do you ever look at like um, like a different counterfactual world? So let's remember in week 16, I think the Eagles were up. I don't remember if it was 17 or 21 against the Cardinals. Yeah. Let's say they don't have one of the worst fourth quarters in the team's history. They win that game. Then all of a sudden they're you know in line for the two seed, possibly even the one seed. Like to me, that one quarter, they lost control of the division. It exacerbated all of their issues and it made it so that in some sense, they're like, oh, we're going to be at best the five seed. Now we're going to to play on the road, on the road, on the road. Do you think there is a counterfactual world where, you know, maybe we're focusing too much on the outcomes, but if that one quarter had gone differently, some other world may have happened for the Eagles or no, they're just fundamentally flawed?
3: I mean that that's football right where the small sample size completely swings the conversation and I can't disagree with what you're saying it's just funny we go into that Cowboys Packers game you ask 100 people analyzing football who is the better quarterback Dak Prescott or Jordan love and a hundred out of a hundred say, well, Dak Prescott right now, uh, three quarters later, it's a hundred out of a hundred. Well, it's obviously Jordan love, you know, he's obviously the better quarterback. Um, I mean, I prefer Jordan love, but it's just funny how these things wildly swing. I just wrote uh, a little piece, just the thought on comparing Matthew Stafford to he, uh, to Hakeem Olajuwon. I know that might not be the most intuitive of comparisons, but they're both guys whose legacies are heavily defined by what they did after age 30. And I think we, we have this thing to what you're saying, creeping determinism, where whatever happens to us as human beings, because we're story-making machines, it seems to us like it was the obvious thing that we almost expected, but it's not. And in the case of Olajuwon, his reputation was very checkered until Jordan retires, and then he wins those two finals. I mean, you could have an interesting conversation of, well, what do we think of Olajuwon? How is he considered? People say he's a top 10 player. Would they be saying anything close to that if not for the Jordan retirement? I think that's a legit conversation. And then Stafford, in an odd way, had a similar status as a very aesthetically pleasing player, your quarterback's favorite quarterback, but his reputation was wildly different. And you wonder if Tart. On the Niners back then didn't drop the easiest interception opportunity in playoff history. Do we just have a wildly different interpretation of Stafford, who I think is great and and really fun to watch? And, and what's happened is given him his deserved due. But there's this chasm, massive chasm between how, say, Goff is assessed and how Stafford is obsessed. And does something like that just turn on the smallest and most random? Trifle, almost. So, uh, to what you're saying, yeah, there's a very good chance that there's a counterfactual there, and football, especially, just seems to be the biggest sport in that respect, where uh, whole reputations can just turn on a dime.
2: Just one other example. Recently, I was just listening to um, our our friend Bruce Feldman go on about Kellen DeBoer and how highly regarded he is among coaches and how just extraordinary he is. Blah 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 blah. And the Longhorns had. Four plays from the 15-yard line to win that game, and Washington wouldn't have made the national finals, and the the conversation would be different. They would be talking about Steve Sarkeesian Mm. in the same tones, like literally just the complete one pass, and you had the same conversation about the opposite coach. When that's the case, something's not right. Your judgment's not right when that's what it's turning on. Oh,
3: I I – your judgment's not right, but we need that. We need that. We need that unfairness. I mean, that gives the situation juice. The what was it said in The Simpsons when Homer, uh, when Lisa and Bart were playing hockey against each other, and the winner will be showered with praise, the loser will be cursed and screamed at until my voice is hoarse. Um, we need that sense that somebody's going to get a whole bunch of glory, maybe not all of it deserved, but they're going to get a whole bunch of glory, and somebody else is going to have some unfairness come in their way. And if we don't have that wild swing in reputation, then the event itself loses oh, some man. of what we're interested oh, in. Oh,
2: man, that's 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 provocative because we're sitting here. We're the rational academics. Some of us even study decision-making. We hate those kinds of biases. We rail against the narrative-driven conversation. And you come in and say, "Ah, oh, you know, actually, if we didn't have that, you wouldn't like your sports as much.
3: Well, I mean, you guys can be different. I can be different, but we need the majority of the conversation to be that and to have that shape. You try to smarten up that conversation, you bleed the life out of it. I mean, you need people to accept the importance because then you can easily find yourself in this existential question of what is the meaning of any of this? Why is anything, why is anything, anything? Um, I mean, I remember I was in the locker room with the warriors and uh, staff was annoyed that they were making it a rivalry between him and the Clippers. And he was saying to me, like, why does it have to be a rivalry? You know, why, why? And I said, well, I mean, it's, it's no, like it's pro wrestling. That's <laughs> fun. That's fun. Why is anything, anything so, you're throwing, a, so, you're throwing a sphere through a ring. <laughs> so Ethan, what in some level, what it
0: sounds, it's, I'm going to reinterpret it as a bit of a, of a counter, almost a screed against analytics because we are trying to fight all of this. I mean, and just the two things you talked about, the coaching kind of perspective on how that really will flip on on the outcome or on a couple of events. So the, the analytics community will basically say, well, we just can't really evaluate coaching um, because it's just so unpredictable and and, and so event driven. But, but going back to it with the quarterbacks, I mean, I'm, we talked about the Eagles. So I remember preseason. I don't have the the technology to evaluate quarterbacks myself. So I went out to all my analytics friends who do this and nobody thought much of Jalen Hurts. I mean, maybe number mm-hmm. 10, um, and, and nobody higher, I'll tell you that much. And, and I kept thinking, how can the Eagles be really good if they don't have a, a great quarterback? That seems to be the only thing that predicts. Right. And so when they were 10 and one, and again, Jalen wasn't looking great. Um, the the score differentials were basically zero. Everyone was just like, you know, this is a massive overperformance. Looking looking to to to, to regress, yeah. and we don't know by how much. But it almost what you're you're kind of saying is that we're the boring people in all this. Yeah. And um and and that. So what's our what's going to be our role in in the public? I mean, obviously we haven't. This is an analytics show, right? So we're trying to make sense. We're trying to stop the craziness. Um. But you're saying without the craziness, it's not fun. Um, Is there yeah. a fun role for us?
3: Yeah. Without the craziness, it's not sports. It's just exercise. I mean, you need that irrationality. <laughs> you need that fanaticism. And there's a role for being smarter about it. There's a role for what Bill James did back in the day. And the people actually making these decisions behind the scenes need to know what they're doing or they're going to perform better if they know what they're doing. Um, But yeah, I think you need both elements. You don't want the conversation to be completely deranged and idiotic and prisoner of the moment. But you need a little bit of that. And it gives you something to push against. It gives you something to have a contrary uh, perspective with. I just think you need it all. I I think when you go the way baseball has gone, where losing is never anybody's fault because everybody is just making their own little individual statistical contribution, I think that really bleeds the life out of a sport and it saps it of interest. And I don't think you want that for all the other sports. Ethan, we're
2: going to have to let you go.
3: Thank you for making time for us today. Thanks for having me on.
2: You guys can find Ethan, the house of, house of Great sub stack. You can subscribe to also on Twitter at Sherwood Strauss at Sherwood Strauss on Twitter. That has been our show for this week. Thank you guys for listening for the whole team here. Eric Bradlow, Shane Jensen, Naughty Weiner for the boss man, Matty Dats for the associate, associate boss man, Dion Simpkins. Thank you guys for listening. Come back and join us next time. Between now and then enjoy your sports.